Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Welcome, everybody, to the Life and Legacy Show. My name is Tim Seckler from the Seckler Law Firm. Uh, and you have found the Life and Legacy podcast, uh, also brought to you on Ward FM in Pittsburgh on Saturday mornings. Uh, I uh, don't know how you found us, but I'm glad you did. If you haven't heard the show before, this is uh, a, a radio show all about estate planning and elder law issues, how to plan well for your family, um, dispelling with some myths about this stuff is easy and all you need is the simple will you can print online. Uh, life's more complicated than that. And I I do this radio show because I'm a I'm a big believer in educating folks on the things that they need to know. So this show is uh, for your education and entertainment. This show is not legal advice. I am a lawyer. I do advise people on these things, but I'm not currently advising you on these things. So don't make a uh, any decision from a legal standpoint based on what you hear on this or any other radio show, because the things I talk about may not apply to you, given your specific fact circumstance, right? That So how about that? Lawyer has to start a, start a radio show with a, uh, a disclaimer. Uh, but look, we don't want to make mistakes, and we don't want you to get screwed up with what you're doing. We want you to accomplish your goals. But before we get into the things that I really want to talk about today, I just want to take a moment and... Uh, and ask you, I know you already are doing this, but but let's uh, let's keep in mind in our hearts and our prayers the families of uh, the American service members killed this week in Afghanistan due to this abject failure of a mission and leadership uh, that this clown in the White House has given us this week. Um, and this isn't a political talk show, and I'm going to try not to make it a political talk show, but I just get so frustrated with the things that I'm seeing. You know, last night, I was explaining all this to my 10-year-old son about how we're leaving and how there's probably going to be some people left behind. And he says, Dad, don't we uh, don't we have the strongest military on the planet? You always told me about how strong the military is. Yes, son, we didn't. Then why don't we just stay longer and get all our people out? Well, pretty good question, son. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it doesn't make any sense to me either, buddy. Um, and you know, I, I'll tell you one other thing, just from personal observation with myself serving and some friends that are still in the, in the military, you know, I've got a, I've got a friend who's a, I think 23 or 24 year veteran currently serving. And we were texting back and forth about all this nonsense going on over there right now and just how terrible it all is. And, you know, he, his text to me was, I've spent 20, I think it was 23. I've spent 23 years in the service and have not had the luxury of a political opinion. I just follow the guys in front. Um, and he said, but that's getting harder and harder to do these days. And, you know, I uh, I, I think and I'm, I'm concerned that stuff like this, it, it, you're going to lose some good guys. Not not only the guys that we, we actually lost, but you're going to see people leave the military over this nonsense. This isn't who we are. This isn't why people sign up for the military. We don't leave Americans behind. We don't leave our friends behind. We don't get the terms dictated to us by the Taliban. I mean, it, I, I keep waiting to wake up from this dream and realize, oh, my gosh, it was it was just... You know, it was just the worst case scenario nightmare that I had. But then every morning I wake up and the news gets worse. And, you know, as a veteran of the war in Afghanistan, I just I cannot 
I just can't help but getting angry and emotional about the whole thing, and I need to stop because that's not what this radio show is about. So so what I want to do is just ask you to keep these guys in your prayers, keep these ladies in your prayers, and, and continue to pray for the good people of Afghanistan. There's going to be a lot of people going through a lot of bad times over there for a long time. Uh, and, uh, and it, it's, it's just a, it's just a shame. So, um, all right, enough, enough for, uh, the life and legacy political corner of the day, I suppose. Um, what I want to talk to you about today is, uh, is the state planning failures that I see people make what we call kitchen table planning. All right. So kitchen table planning is, uh, you know, some Saturday morning, the whole family sitting around the kitchen table talking about, uh, you know, whatever the house and getting stuff to the kids and, and they make decisions that they think is, are, are the right decisions. They think they're the decisions that are going to beat the system, right? They think that they're doing everything the right way. Um, but it turns out this stuff is a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, and, and so one of the things that, that families tend to do when you have, uh, the parents up in years and they're worried about things like taxes and they're worried about things like the nursing home, what do they do? Well, one thing they do, uh, is, uh, they transfer assets to the kids, right? So, so I get asked the question all the time, should I put my house in my kid's name? And my answer usually is not a great idea. Um, for a handful of reasons. Um, but one, um, and the biggest reason is when you put your house in your kids' names, um, you give up control. So what happens if I put my house in my kid's name and then my kid goes through a divorce? Or what happens if I put my house in my kid's name and then my kid dies before me in an accident? What's his will say? Everything to his spouse or everything to his kids? And so I'm living in a house owned by my former daughter-in-law. What happens when she remarries? Where, where am I going to live, right? So so this whole notion of giving up control of your things just, to me, doesn't make a ton of sense, right? And and the way I like to describe this, this concept is, you know, imagine yourself <clears throat> walking into a McDonald's uh, at like 7 o'clock in the morning, right? So at some point in your life, on vacation or on your way to work, or at some point in your life, you've been in a McDonald's early in the morning, and you can picture yourself there, right? And you can you can smell the hash browns, and you can smell the coffee, and then you look around and you notice the 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 table in the corner with the little old fellas sitting around, right? You know that table, the the guys that are sitting around over there, um, you know, drinking the cheap coffee, and and maybe you know they can't sleep or whatever, so they all meet in there early in the morning, right? So here they are, and you know what those guys talk about every Tuesday morning? They talk about putting the house in the kid one uh, in the kid's name so so one guy says i'm gonna give my house to my kid and the other guy says you can't do that your kid's a bum you know and and then he says no my lawyer says it's fine and then the other guy says well my lawyer says it isn't fine and you shouldn't do it and you should do it and then this debate goes on and and then somebody ends up putting the house in the kid's name because these fellows are hardhead uh and and so why are they doing this right because you know they're doing this if you happen to still subscribe to a newspaper you'll see in the real estate transfer section every week that there are transfers from Mr. Smith to Mr. Smith for a dollar, right? So, so there's no dollar. This is a gift of the house to the kids, all right? So why are we doing that? Well, I think the first reason people consider doing this is uh, taxes, right? Now, everybody's of the opinion that when they pass away, there's this huge tax burden to bear. Um, they're going to get it all, right? Well, okay, 
but let's talk about this a little bit. So, and and we talk about all this in the uh, the workshop that we do. If you are, uh, if anything I'm about to describe or anything I'm going to describe has you thinking about um, whether you should do some planning for you, the first stop is is education, right? Like I can just I can just scratch the surface on some of this stuff on the radio show, but if you come to our in person workshop, we talk about all this and we have them all the time. You can find out more about them at secularlawfirm.com, dot com. S e c h l e r lawfirm.com. But let's talk about death taxes for a little bit. So it used to be the case that we had a really heavy hitting federal estate tax. Um, and, and technically, we still do have a federal estate tax. It's just that it doesn't apply to the vast majority of Americans, because there are large lifetime exemptions. As I'm saying this, as I'm doing this radio show, the lifetime exemption from the federal estate tax is $11.7 million. So unless you have $11.7 million or more, if you passed away this morning, there would be no death tax. Now, for a married couple, you each have a lifetime exemption of $11.7 million. So we're talking about almost $24 million, which is an awful lot of money. You know, if you're looking around and you're saying, oh, that guy's wealthy and this guy's wealthy and, and that family over there has a bunch of money. Most wealthy families, at least around western Pennsylvania... And most of the families we would consider wealthy still are not scratching the surface on $24 million. It is a small, small, small segment of the population. Okay, so most Americans currently don't pay any federal state tax. So if we've got these large exemptions, then then why does everybody know about this this tax? Like, why does everybody why is everybody concerned about it? And the answer is because back in the 1990s, the lifetime exemption was below $700,000. So it used to be that a lot of people paid the federal estate tax because if you have, you know, retired school teacher can can pay off the house and have an IRA and have a life insurance contract and maybe inherit something and, and easily get to $700,000 if they're good savers and whatnot. So it used to be the case that an awful lot of people paid federal estate tax. And these old fellows at McDonald's had were adults during that time period and saw people paying the heavy tax. And they're still concerned that it's going to happen to them. But by and large, it's probably not, at least today. Um, this federal state tax exemption is going to come back down. Right now, it's going to come back down. I think it's scheduled to come back down in 2025. Uh, the Biden administration has discussed bringing it down sooner. Uh, I think Bernie Sanders proposed $3.5 million. There are proposals out there for lower and lower exemptions. But call me cynical. And, you know, I don't trust many of these guys anymore um i don't think these guys are going to vote themselves into a death tax all right it seems to me that most of the senators end up wealthy one way or the other sometimes they would rather not talk about how wealthy they became but most of these guys i don't think are going to vote themselves into a federal death tax so i think you're still going to see fairly reasonable fairly large lifetime exemptions. Probably, if I were a betting man, I would I would say it's going to land at $5 million per person. And so you're still $10 million per married couple, which still rules out 99.7% of the population from paying a federal estate tax. So we probably, most people, most middle-class people probably got nothing to worry about with the federal estate tax. Now, there is a Pennsylvania death tax. If you're listening to this on the radio here in Pennsylvania, if you're a Pennsylvania resident, you need to be aware of Pennsylvania's inheritance tax. But again, most of the time, people just aren't going to plan for this one. It is going to apply. But if you have kids, 
And that's where the money's going. Kids or grandkids. If you have the kids or the grandkids, and that's where the money's going, the tax is 4.5%. Now, nobody wants to pay 4.5%. If, I got a, you know, if I've got a, a, a couple of hundred thousand dollars, I don't want to give the federal government 4.5% of that. However, when counseling our clients on it, it seems to me that the things you have to do to avoid this tax and change around the um, change around the way that you invest your money or um, move it into life insurance or give up control of your money. You know, you could put the money into a trust or give it to the kids in a way that you uh, you give up control. And then after a year, it avoids the inheritance tax. But here's the thing. If you've got a kid who's going to inherit one hundred thousand dollars. Most of the time, the thought process is. Well, if Johnny's going to inherit a hundred grand, he can afford to inherit ninety-five five. He he can pay the four and a half percent tax. I'm not going to rearrange my life and give up control of my money to save Johnny four point five percent. And I think that that's probably an accurate uh, way to think about it, because I wouldn't, and I have a hard time um, advising many of my clients to give up control of their money or to take the actions necessary to to save the Pennsylvania inheritance tax. So they've got this thing just about set right. Uh, because it's, it's a, it's a bee sting. It's not a, it's not a gun wound and it, you know, it it is what it is. Um, if you don't have kids, if you're leaving money to nonprofits, it's 0% tax. If you're leaving money to, uh, I should note between spouses is also 0%. So if you leave everything to your spouse, no tax at the death of the first spouse. Uh, but other relationships, the tax gets higher. So, uh, for siblings, if you're leaving money to a sibling, it's 12 points. If you're leaving money to anyone else, nieces, nephews, friends, neighbors, uh, it's 15%. Now, at some point in time, my my guess would be this tax is going to get tossed um, or at least rearranged. I think that that some some arguments could apply of this unfair treatment of people who don't have kids. And and if I were a betting man, I, I think that eventually there will be a case that comes down that says that this this tax is discriminatory against uh, same-sex couples who biologically can't have children. Uh, there's other ways that they could have kids. They could adopt. They could go through procedures. They could do a lot of the surrogates. They could do different things. But by and large, um, we could say that same-sex couples probably don't have kids at the same rate that that um, that a man and a woman have when they're married. Okay, And now that we have same-sex, same-sex marriage in Pennsylvania in the last couple of years— I think you could see people coming out and saying um, this tax is discriminatory against us and uh, because we're leaving money to nieces and nephews or we're leaving money to our friends and, and how dare you tax us more because we can't have kids. So at some point in time, I think this tax gets rearranged. I don't, I would love to see it go away. It's such a thorn in the side, but we shall see. But getting back to the guys at McDonald's, right? So why were they giving away the house? Well, there's really two reasons. One, they're trying to avoid taxes, which after the discussion we just had, the taxes aren't as bad as people think they are. Um, the other reason is they want to protect it from the nursing home, which can work. You can get rid of your house and give it to your kids and then protect it from the nursing home later. But here's the problem. There's a couple of problems. Medicaid, if we need to go to the nursing home, what we're trying to do is get Medicaid to pay for the nursing home. Medicaid has a five-year look-back period, which means that if you give the house to the kids and then uh, need the nursing home in the next five years, we got a problem on our hands and, and Medicaid's going to deny coverage and then nobody's paying the nursing home. 
uh, and and it can be a really ugly situation, especially if the kids can't give back the money or the house. You know, and when I talk to my clients who want to do this, and I ask them, okay, well, look, we could do it, and it could protect it from the nursing home. But if we would do it, then um, what happens, like what's your confidence level that that kid could give the house back in the next uh, four years from now? Four years from today, what's the confidence that that kid could give the money back? And the answer is usually, yeah, he could probably do it. Yeah, he could probably do it. All right. But what if he can't? Um, because five years is a long period of time, right? It used to be a three-year look-back period, and now it's a five-year look-back period because the states know five years is a long darn time, right? And during that five years, there's lots of things, even if your kids mean well, which plenty of kids would receive that kind of a gift from their parents. You know, if if the parents are trying to protect $100,000 and give it to their kids, there's a lot of kids, that money's gone, right? And not that it's wasted. It might pay off the home mortgage, or it might buy a new roof or a new vehicle, or it might pay for grandson's education, right? But the money's gone. Um, but let's say the money's not gone because of those things. Well, you've still got exposure because during the five years, if I give my money to my kid or my house to my kid, what happens if my kid becomes disabled due to an illness or accident? What happens if my kid goes through a divorce? Where'd the money go? What happens if my kid dies before me? What does his will say? Does he even have a will? Do I even understand where this money's going? What happens if... What happens if they remarry? What happens if there's stepkids? What happens if there's a drinking problem that develops? What happens if there's a drug problem or a gambling problem that develops? What happens if it's not my son, but it's my daughter-in-law that starts drinking or gambling? Where's the money? And this, given the stuff to the kids, I get it. You're trying to save money on taxes, even though, as you know, if you, if you missed a part on tax here earlier, go back and listen. You can find this episode on my website. But it's probably a tax mistake. We didn't even talk about the capital gains tax implications of giving houses to the kids. Usually giving the house to the kids, just touching on that for a second, if you give your house to your kid trying to save the inheritance tax or the federal state tax, which probably doesn't apply anyhow, you are making a capital gains tax mistake because if that house ever needs to sell for the rest of grandpa's life, if it was his primary residence, it's exempt from capital gains tax to a large extent. But if you put it in the kid's name and then we need to sell the house later to pay for dad's personal care home, now it's the kid selling the house. Now it's not the kid's primary residence, which means we're going to get dinged with capital gains tax combined federal and state at about 18%. So a lot of these guys at McDonald's that are doing the self-help kitchen table planning, I don't want to go pay a lawyer, this stuff, I understand it. I'm just going to give my house to my kid. You're making a big mistake. Uh, It's more complicated than that. So don't do it. Or come talk to us first, and let's talk through it before you do it. Um, and you can find out more about that at our workshop that we do uh, pretty frequently, a couple of times a month. And if you can't make it to one of our in-person workshops, which are held in Cranberry, um, you can catch them pre-recorded on my website at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. You can find a, a pre-recorded webinar that discusses all these things uh, to give you some information on on how you might make some good decisions. And then we offer you a free consultation. So get the education, come in and talk to me or one of my lawyers uh, on my team. And and we're going to take care of you with nice people with good intentions. And and we want to help you out. Um, But I was talking about uh, the five-year look back period and the nursing home issue. And, you know, the, the problem is if you end up giving the stuff to the kids, you had better be able to get it back in the night in the next five years. If you can't get it back in the next five years, you got a real problem on your hand. 
uh, if you end up in a nursing home. And this is why the solution we often recommend when people want to protect assets from long-term care, right? The, the thing everybody wants to do, okay, just to, just to make this really simple, the things that everybody wants to do, I want it to get to my kids, not to the government. I want to not pay too much in taxes. I want it to be easy on the kids, and I don't want to lose it to the nursing home. That's what everybody wants. I, I don't want to lose it to the nursing home. I know that one in three seniors gets dementia, and I don't want to lose it to the nursing home. I don't want to pay too much in taxes, and I want to make it easy on my kids. Okay. Well, there's a tool that does that. There's a tool that does all three of those things, and it's called an asset protection trust. And you can put your house in the trust, and it protects it from the nursing home five years later, just like giving it to the kids. However, it can be structured to not make the inheritance tax and capital gains tax mistake. And we don't have to worry about federal estate tax for most people right now anyhow because of the large exemption. So if what we're trying to do is protect the house, not pay too much in tax, I'd offer you to consider that there are vehicles that we can use, different types of trust, to accomplish those objectives without exposing your money and your assets to your kids, poor decision-making, divorces, disabilities, death, all of those scary things that could happen once you give your house to your kid that impacts your retirement, that impacts the rest of your ability to do what you want for the rest of your life. Um, and the trust can prevent all of that. You can maintain some control. You can maintain um, limited access to things like the, the income off of the assets if you want to, and we'll discuss all of this with you. But there are uh, some really good planning options if you come and check out the workshop, which, again, you can find at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com, and we talk all about uh, wills, and we talk about trusts, and we talk about powers of attorney, and we talk about um, taxes, and we're going to talk about death taxes, and we're going to talk about the nursing home and how Medicaid really works. And it's it's all the things that I think you need to know from after having done this for 10 years. It's all the things that the people come in and ask questions on their initial consultation. We do it for free. We do it in a workshop setting. You can hear other people's questions, and it works well. So check them out, secularlawfirm.com. Uh, a couple of other thoughts. If you have somebody currently in a nursing home, give us a call. If you are paying privately for long-term care and are wondering about Medicaid benefits to pay for care. We also have a weekly Medicaid workshop. Uh, it's uh, I'm sorry, it's every other week Medicaid workshop in our office on Friday mornings. We just do it. If people show up, great. If people don't show up, great. But the idea is um, Medicaid is a is a complicated animal. And what we want to be able to do is we want to be able to make sure that if people go to the nursing home, they don't make Medicaid mistakes because Medicaid in that situation is really the only entity that's going to help you pay for care. If I'm in a skilled nursing facility, Medicare doesn't pay except for a short rehab stay, and I'm on my own at a total of $130,000 a year until I pass away unless we can get Medicaid to pay for care. So when somebody goes into a nursing home, the nursing home admissions office or billing office is required by law to give the people a Medicaid application. Unfortunately, people don't know what to do with it because the nursing home is not allowed to give legal advice. So here's your application. Good luck. Let us know if you're filing. And then people go online and they read things that uh, make them make mistakes. Um, and so don't make those mistakes. If you're going through this or if you know somebody going through this, give us a shout. Come to the Medicaid workshop. We'll point you in the right direction. And if there's an opportunity for us to take some action 
to protect money for you will identify it and you can decide if you want to do it. Um, I just, I'm, I'm tired of people going broke because of the system, because it's complicated, but there are answers to the problems. You just can't figure it out with the boys at McDonald's and you can't figure it out around the kitchen table. These guys are better at this game than you are. These government officials, these rules are thought through, but there are opportunities hidden in the rule. You just need to know what they are, and you need to know which one is appropriate for you, which in my office we have the experience to help you with. So you can find out more at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com, or give us a call, 724-841-1393. and, uh, and we'll get you pointed in the right direction. So if you come to any of these workshops, we do a free consultation for you uh, with one of our lawyers. And you come in and, and we'll do some goal setting with you. What is it that you're trying to accomplish here, sir? Are you trying to, or ma'am, are you trying to accomplish asset protection? Are you trying to accomplish tax uh, a tax savvy plan? Are we trying to make it easy for the kids? Are we trying to expedite the amount of time it takes for your kids to get their inheritance? You know, sometimes kids don't get their inheritance over a year is there anything we can do to make that process faster if and when you do pass away? Uh, what are the steps that we can take? So we're going to talk about all of that with you uh, after you come to one of our education events. We'll give you the free consultation. We'll really break it down for you. And when we do estate planning at our law firm, it's all flat fee. So come to the meeting. We'll tell you how much it costs. And if you don't like how, if you don't like the price tag for whatever reason, I think you'd probably be, be wrong because we're competitive. But... Um, you don't have to hire us. And so it couldn't be easier. It couldn't be less stress-free. I don't know how to make it any less stress-free anyhow. So I look forward to working with you. Remember, guys, anything that you heard on this radio show or any other radio show uh, should not be construed as legal advice. This is information and education. We're happy to give you legal advice, but you need to come see us. SecklerLawFirm.com. Thanks. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.